Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, welcome to another quarantined episode of the Replant Boot Camp. Bob, are you surviving well in St. Louis? I am. I I went to uh, check on the church today because, you know, we're not up there a lot and uh, found a broken window that uh, I had to deal with. So I spent my quarantine um, cleaning up some glass and then trying to find a glass company whose workers are still working to come in and fix our windows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you find somebody that's willing to come out? No, we're, I'm on hold. So that, that's really there. One of the, the questions is, is my business essential? Right. And yeah. so a lot of our businesses in our areas are just kind of waiting to hear uh, if they receive that designation yeah. on essential businesses. So Chick-fil-A is deemed essential. So they're open. <laughs> <laughs> a glass company? Mm, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but if, if Chick-fil-A is an essential company, is Popeye's? Also an essential company? <laughs> no, because the cops have to go to Popeye's to break up fights over the chicken sandwiches between not only the customers, but the employees and the customers. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Hey, we're excited, even though we're quarantined, to have another great boots on the ground highlight guest with us. Matt, introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about the replant story that you're living right now. Yeah, um, Matt Stevens. I'm pastor at the Fort Church in Columbus, and we have over the eight-year history of uh, the Fort Church been a part of um, revitalizing, replanting four different locations. Um, I've been a part of, uh, of two of those since I've been the pastor here in the last four years. Um, it's an interesting story. It doesn't quite go uh, to the textbook of uh, the stuff Nam's putting out, but it's been it's been uh, interesting, and I've been thankful to to find you guys and and Nam and to be learning from y'all. Um, when God dropped me off here at uh, at the Fort Church, he he gave me immediately this passion for revitalizing and and replanting churches that um, look around and see churches dying down the street from us and and all around town, and uh, just a passion to see that stop and and see this the that to be slowed down and and so we found our place in this uh in this revitalization um so what we've just get real quick the story of the fort it was born in fort mitchell alabama which is about 10 miles down the road from columbus it's the other side of fort benning georgia um over in uh, across the chattahoochee river church was started in uh, a school there um, by another baptist church in phoenix city had great success there and then there was a church right up the road sunderland baptist church and they uh the association brought sunderland baptist church and the fort church together there was only about you know just a handful of people there at sunderland and they said let's get you guys together it makes sense this is you know this is absolutely what should happen and so the folks of the fort church came in and said well here's a few of the things that we've do first of all you know we've got a band no choir so let's remove this modesty rail and the folks at Sunderland said you guys can go back to the school now <laughs> so that, that conversation was very quick was it the and, modesty uh, rail that uh, derailed the whole conversation well I, I think that was ju- that was just the first item on the agenda uh, <laughs> it would have could have been anything else that came after that I'm sure and so uh, so they 
they went back to the school and uh, just a matter of months later, Sunderland closed their doors and the association uh, gave that building to the fort and jumped in there, did tons of work on that building. and uh, Really great. Uh, God just blessed that. Lots of people um, saved, baptized through that ministry. And then there was a little church in downtown Phoenix City, First Congregational Christian Church, had about a dozen members left and uh, in a transitioning, uh, a neighborhood that had transitioned to something very different than what those 12 people knew when they grew up in that church. And so they were just looking for help. And so the Fort Church partnered with them. They said, if you can get some more people to come here, we'll give you the building. Took on that and uh, just a a wonderful thing. partnership with those people. They just jumped right in. It was so great. This is about the time I come along in the Fort Story and just those people come in, they'd sit on the front row. It wasn't their kind of music. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't church like they were used to it, but they had just decided we want ministry to continue in this place. They were so kingdom minded and so humble about it. And after they had vetted us properly, and some of those meetings were pretty tough, I understand, um, but they were willing to just turn things over. And it was wonderful because those are some of the best relationships that that I've had since I've been here in Columbus. And, and actually I've, I've buried several of those folks now. There's just a, just a couple that are, that are still alive and, but just a, a great thing. And so there's actually two places going at one time and then uh, decided to consolidate the ministry and help another uh, young ministry get into that building, that first building. And things are just going there in Phoenix city and, uh, and there's, there's not enough room or always looking for space. And um, I'm driving by this big Baptist church across the river in Columbus um, and it's uh, Eastern Heights Baptist Church. It was grown up, you know, you could kind of tell there wasn't much going on there. And I was just really curious because I'm just a church nerd. I've been in ministry since I was 19 years old. And so just always wondering what's going on at other churches and what's happening there. And so I just walked in one day, I saw some people there and just walked in and asked what was going on. (laughs) There was another church trying to plant a church in there. So I just walked around the building and I think I was you know, the first person to walk through some of those doors in about 20 years. The the plant, the physical plant is 45,000 square feet, you know, big white column, brick building, education, three-story education. You guys can imagine this. And then a daycare building, a separate building on the back, two stories, you know, another, you know, um, almost 30,000 square feet, you know, just and just just crazy, crazy stuff. And we walked through there and, and my guys, you know, all Alabama boys didn't want anything to do with a church in Georgia. And I asked them, I said, I said, come on, let's go look at this thing. They didn't want any part of it and finally got them over. And they were just mad when they pulled into the parking lot and they walked around this building, walked through all these, these rooms and the sanctuary and the door after door after opening up. And they just had this sense that the same thing that I did, something has to be done here. Something has to be done. Here's this massive structure that's supposed to represent hope and the the glory of God in this neighborhood, which is a another neighborhood that just has has incredible challenges, um, has really transitioned over the years. And, and most of the people who originally went to church here now live, you know, very far away. And so they just had about 15 folks. And so our guys immediately, their heart just caught on to it as well. Yes, we need to do something. And so we ended up moving our whole group. All right. We talked about maybe starting a service here, but we, we said this project is too big. So we moved our whole group from Phoenix City to Columbus. It's really only about three miles, but we gave the building in Phoenix City over to a church plant that was meeting in a storefront. And we just, uh, we, we passed that along to them. This is where we're figuring out, all right, God's doing something different. 
you know, this is, this isn't just about us trying to find space. We are, we're in the church revitalization business, you know, by, you know, by God's help and, and the Holy Spirit leading us, this is, this is what we're doing. And so we get to work on this building that's got 20 years deferred maintenance and we're just spending money and hustling and sweating. And we just got great, great volunteers, uh, folks who love to put their hands to stuff and, um, so much space here that I don't know how many pianos were here, upright pianos. We counted one time as, you know, it's over 30 upright pianos. And one of the people who were still at church here, you guys will really appreciate this is, this is only happened in a church. So the, the, they weren't tuned, nobody was using them. And so after a while, they just can't be brought back. You know, they can't be uh, whatever happens inside of them. And so what they did was, because they're on the third floor, second floor, they didn't want to try and load them out of there. So they pushed them up against the wall and they painted them the same color as the wall. So they would just blend in. That was the solution <laughs> instead of, instead of getting rid of the pianos. So, um, so That's we're following awesome. suit. Yeah. We're, we're just, we're just working around them at this point. If, if you want one, come get two. We're, we're happy to help you with a few pianos. And then crazy thing happened in this last year. Another church on the north side of Columbus, a very different kind of neighborhood, more suburban church was down to about 25 senior adults. I had a little history with that church when I was growing up here and asked those folks what was going to happen. They were without a pastor and I was trying to hook them up with another church that's up in that area that was leasing space, but it didn't work out. And so I walked into the meeting with the two folks that were kind of the, still the, you know, running things there or, you know, are working hard to keep things going is what they were doing. I sat down with them and they said, well, well, how's this going to go? Basically. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let me, let me tell you a little bit about me and the church. And I did, you know, that whole spiel. And they said, uh, and I, I gave them Bob's book, you know, uh, pathways to partnership. And, um, and they said, okay, so how's this going to work? <laughs> and so come on a Wednesday night and tell us about it. And I went on a Wednesday night to tell them about it. And they one old boy, asked after I went through everything, you know, what's this going to look like? Deacons and finance committee and all this stuff. And one of the boys says, well, how are y'all financially? Are you paying your bills? I said, well, we got this much in the bank. We're paying our bills. And he goes, well, let's vote. And I'm like, I had no idea they were going to vote. <laughs> and Sounds like an so arranged all, marriage, man. Sounds like, yeah. hey, you going to marry us listen, or not? <laughs> I, man, it's, it, it's one of those things where you go like, I don't, I don't, you know, I've been working for this and, and trying to, I don't know if I want, you know, this is, yep. didn't expect this to work out and I'm not sure if we can do this. And we probably were not ready, you know, with resources and just, you know, uh, and just our health as a church. Um, but God had the opportunity there and, um, and we just felt like we need to do it. It felt like somebody needed to do it. And we're in a position where we can act quickly and we can do crazy things um, because of our leadership and, and our history. And so, yeah, so now we have, two locations and it's not this, you know, multi-site, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of crazy. It's, it is, we just felt like these churches need to be saved. We're going to do whatever we can to save these churches and we'll just see what God does out of this. And so it's, it's good. We made, I think we made it through there and then the Lord sent us a plague, but we're, we were, we were really excited about how things are going. So now we're going to, now we're going to deal with having to do church in a completely different way. We got a new campus. It's the online campus. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot. Of, you're in you're in the same boat. Everybody's trying to figure out how do we how do we lead our church, whether it's a one you know normative sized church, one location, or a, a multi site revitalization model. Uh, all of us are are realizing these are these are new days for us. So what what are you learning as a leader in how to navigate just the last two weeks that you've been in? What are some of the things that you're you're thinking? What are some of the things that you're you the questions you're asking? Yeah. So, so I'm still, I'm still processing. I'll be honest with you. Um, I tell you, 
Um, and I'll just be real honest with you personally, for me as a pastor, the, the prospect of not getting to be with my people and preach to them and hug their necks for, you know, another month or two months. I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I got to the end of last week and I thought, I don't know that I'm going to make it through this. Yeah. I think the, um, what we're seeing is, is a lot of pastors are missing that shepherding component. I think the break and the pause away from people has created, I know for me, and, and, and I hear these in your words, hear this in your words, it, it creates a longing in us to be with our people and among them because we miss them. We do miss those hugs and we do miss those handshakes, all those sorts of things. Um, I am thankful for the technology and, and the, uh, the, the resources and the streams of communication, but it doesn't replace that in-person gathering whatsoever. Yeah. Our, um, our senior adults at, uh, at Mount Zion. And one of the things that we've done uh, as we've figured out, you know, that we're on this revitalization journey is, is um, uh, we have just tried to honor um, the legacy of these churches. We're not something new. You know, the Ford is not something new. We're a continuation of a ministry that, that started in these places in Mount Zion's case, you know, 200 years ago. And so what we want to do is we want to honor the legacy. So we refer to them really more than we refer to them as the Fort. We refer to the locations as Eastern Heights and Mount Zion. Those were the names that they were born with. And so they're all under the umbrella of the Fort. But our, our senior adults that are just wonderful at Mount Zion, they, they put on their Fort t-shirts and they're greeting people at the door and passing out bulletins. But everybody gets a hug. They were the hugginest church I've ever known, and I love it. And I miss seeing them and being with them. That's one of the great blessings of, you know, this replant journey is that you get to, these folks are not cast aside, but you get to, you get to pastor them. That's, that's one of the things that, um, that God really dealt with me in my first pastorate. Just real quick, I don't want to bore you all with this, but, you know, I, I was served at a couple of large churches coming out of seminary. As a, as a staff person, children's minister. And then I went back from my first, first pastorate to First Baptist Church in Vienna, Georgia. It's about 2,500 people. It's a county seat Baptist church. Cotton and peanuts is all there is there. But this was the First Baptist Church. Everything you know looked right. Everybody dressed right, that whole deal. And I was going to go there with all my church growth knowledge, you know, all the books I had read and everything we'd done at these other big churches had just worked out and, you know, it'd been great. And I was going to take that down there and I was going to have, you know, the same kind of success. And then, you know, when the spirit led, I would go to a church with more money and more people. Um, <laughs> you know, when God called me on to one of those, because that's just what I had seen from, I, I essentially that's what I was discipled in. You know, that's yeah. just what, that's just how you do it. Yeah. Man, my first couple of years there, and I knew a lot of these people, I've, you know, my wife's from there and uh, it was, it was tough. I mean, we went through some hard, hard things and so much of it. I look back and I go, boy, I said it was their fault, but it was really my fault. You know, I, I had pressed them on stuff and pushed them and, and stayed in fights. I didn't need to stay in. And, um, and eventually is it it through reading John chapter 10, good shepherd, you know, good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, not the hired man. God just spoke to me through that passage of scripture, Matt, you don't love these people. You don't love them. Um, and it, it brought me low. I mean, this is, this is what God called me when I was, you know, 17 years old to, to, you know, my whole life was going to be given over to him and I've been preparing to be a pastor. And, and, um, and here's this, what, what God's called me to do, what I'm supposed to be doing well, you know, under shepherd of Christ. And, and I'm, terrible at it. I, I, you know, I'm not doing the essential thing that Jesus did love and have compassion for his sheep. And, um, 
And so from that moment on, I was just determined that God helped me to love these people and to pastor them well. Things just really began to transform, began to, you know, disciple senior adults, ask them, hey, you want to just read the Bible with me? And I, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll ask the deacons because they have to say yes. They'll, they'll feel bad if they don't say yes. And, uh, and it, was, it was wonderful to watch some of these guys in their 70s just watch the light comes on and watch them fall in love with the scriptures. And then, and then I started to to go, all right, well, God, who do you want me to ask next? And some old guy I played golf with who hung out at the American Legion, drank beer all day long. And that was the face in my mind. And I'm thinking, I don't want to ask that guy. He's not going to say yes, even though, you know, we have a good relationship. Hey, just to and, clarify, um, was that guy a deacon at your church, the guy who played golf and drank beer all day long? Just... Uh, well, some of them were. Yeah. Okay. Some, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the uh, One of the guys who's part of that group, um, he said, I want you to come play golf with us. I want you to get in. And I knew a couple of my guys at church played with that group every Friday. So I told them, uh, shaking their hands on the way out, hey, I know you guys have a golf group on Fridays. I'd love to come play with you if you invite me. And they just looked at me like I was nuts. There's no way <laughs> they were going to invite the pastor. And so then one of the guys slipped up and invited me one time and uh, got in with that group. And um, those are some, some of the best friends that I had. Part of the reason I got in trouble a little bit was being friends with some of those guys. But over time, um, those men who would never walk into First Baptist Church, they hadn't taken a baseball cap off in 30 years. Um, several of them had been baptized in that church when they were children, but never really been back. Got to see some of them come to the Lord. Got to actually ask them, hey, you want to read the Bible? And they said, yes. Like what? <laughs> I just I didn't expect that to happen, and uh, got to got to um, just see some incredible things happen. And I would tell these folks, "Hey, it would be easier for me to pastor you if you'd come to the church." And it was just so hard for them to walk into that building where everything looked right and everybody was dressed and everybody knew everybody. You know, I was there for almost ten years, and when I preached to that that group of people, I not only knew them, I knew their grandchildren, I knew everybody else in that community. You know, you're in a place like that for that long. And, um, it was just hard for them to come in. And the, I came to the fort, um, just to come preach one Sunday. Cause a friend of mine uh, was here and I heard it was this crazy wild church in Phoenix city. And, and so came over and what I immediately noticed is, uh, is at the fort, there just were not those hurdles for people to jump over. You know, the, the guy who was greeting me at the door, wear boots and shorts. And <laughs> I thought, well, this would never happen in Vienna, you know, it's never going to happen at First Baptist. And so, um, so yeah, they, they asked me to, to come, um, and talk to them about being their pastor. And we really prayed and hoped that they wouldn't ask us because <laughs> it was going to mean a lot of challenges for us. We were real comfortable after 10 years in Vienna where I thought, you know, I just love those people. And, and, uh, we had just really grown, um, to, to, to love them and they loved us and it wasn't put on, it was very genuine. And, um, when we did, uh, end up leaving was lots of tears. Um, and, uh, and I still, I still miss them and love them care about what happens at that church very much. You know, one of the things that I think is going to happen for us is we're going to actually do something that's a little less innovative. And one of the things that we've been uh, looking at and talking about doing, but just haven't, hadn't stopped and slowed down and, and done it. And that is really, um, really working harder on pastoral care for our people and, uh, and having our elders really, um, over overseeing a group of folks that they, that they know well and know their families and know what's going on. I find myself a lot of times that, that I know kind of everybody, but there's, there's nobody else that can, you know, you know how it is as the pastor, you can 
sometimes I'll say, well, y'all know that couple that, you know, they sit over there on that side and I can't remember their name and, and, but they're just like this, somebody you should know, you know, it's, it's the, it's the mixed race couple, young couple. They sit right there. They're obviously military. And some of my other staff and elders are looking at me like I made them up, you know, like I invented this, these people who are at our church every week. And so one of the things that we're going to do is, you know, we're just going to institute Corona care and, um, and really divide up our folks and, and start doing old fashioned stuff like phone call people. I think it's, it's a good, good habit to, to get in, uh, to, and, and, you know, we're kind of, it's kind of crazy to say this and it's ironic for us to say that, but who, who would think that the phone actually works for us to do pastoral care? Cause we've not, you know, for the last five, 10 years, we've not used our phones as a phone, as a device to talk to somebody. Yeah. I will say one of the challenges we're facing those our younger congregation um, when they see a strange number, they do not answer it. So our elders, um, a couple of them, we were doing some follow-up and they say like, I've made all of my calls, but only two people picked up. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, text to everybody and say, Hey, here, here's who I am. And I'm getting ready to call just to check in with you. I said, you'll probably have a better response right then. Now I still had some that I had to still do the whole thing over text message, but, but Hey, uh, Matt, I've loved hearing your story. If if you had kind of one, this is a question we love to ask people. If you had kind of one, just one piece of advice, uh, somebody, so you get to kind of come from a little different angle here of from you, you didn't go necessarily into a replant, but into a church that ended up helping replant churches. And so somebody walking into that, what advice would you, one piece that you would share with somebody? It's stuff you guys say all the time. It's just about relationships. I mean, you know, I, the the advice that that I was given years and years ago that I didn't follow well, but you know, is just love love your people. Um, and as we try and navigate through whatever changes that are hard for our senior adults to to navigate through, um, it, it's worth it to bring them along with us, you know. And so if, if we need to slow down somewhere or not push too hard or to make sure we communicate enough, um, I just I really want to be. I really want to be thinking about them. Um, sometimes the the mission, which is so critical um, for me, is just this thing to achieve. It's it's kind of loses all of its spiritual depth because for me, it's just something to accomplish. You know, that we would reach this many more people, and we would accomplish it in this amount of time, and we would be able to have you know this this campus be successful and be replanted, um, rather than all those people who are going to be a part of that. Um, and what's going on in them spiritually and, and their children and grandchildren who they're, you know, desiring would, would come back to church and come back to, you know, all those things that are going on. Um, I think if we can, if we can really keep our people in mind, it is, um, it is the most critical part of pastoring in any setting, um, I think. Um, but especially if you're going to be working with, uh, bringing, um, bringing a, a traditional, you know, legacy church in with uh, a new group of folks, uh, no matter how loving both sides are, um, there just needs to continue to be more deference, more thought about what are you going through? You know, what are you sacrificing in this? Matt, it's been great having you. Hey, I just want to say how grateful I am for you guys having me, but more importantly, just how grateful I am for y'all's ministry. I know you, you're you're pastoring there in your local context, but what you guys are doing in the world of replanning um, and and writing and and uh, and leading others and, and all the work that you're doing, Jimbo, on the um, evaluating um, replant pastors, I just I'm so thankful for you guys. Uh, 
I, I don't, I don't think I could express it enough. And uh, so I just want you to know um, we're really grateful for the work y'all are doing. Thanks, man. Thanks, Matt. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.